Hey everybody, welcome uh, today. Thankfully, Dr. Kelly Victory is here with me as well. We've been we're coming to you from New York. I've had some very strange little technical problems, so she is there to back me up. If there's any significant difficulties, our guest today is uh, our friend Dr. Naomi Wolf. Uh, she's a best-selling author, columnist, professor, recognized as uh, one of the most influential feminist writers, uh, certainly in the country. Rhodes Scholar, graduate of Yale, received doctorate from Oxford. Uh, she has written eight best-selling nonfiction works. The Beauty Myth is uh, one of her uh, sort of sentinel uh, publications, The End of America, Give Me Liberty. And lately she's been very concerned about the impact of the safe and effective so-called vaccine on women and women's health. Uh, she returns to discuss some issues as it pertains to what might be embedded in some of the Pfizer data. She has been working with um, a, a large number of scientists to try to dissect what's there. She is uh, at Daily Clout CEO, and don't you follow her on Twitter at, at Naomi R. Wolf. We'll be back with her in just a moment. Our laws as it pertains to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin. Ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a doctor for sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. You have trouble. You can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. As I was saying, her new publication is a collaboration between uh, Daily Clout, Civic Tech Company, and War Room. They brought together a team of over 3,500 uh, professionals tasked with investigating primary source Pfizer documents released under court order by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and uh, making every effort to evaluate the truth. Uh, this is the, I want to make sure I get the name of it. It's War Room slash Daily Clout, Pfizer Documents Analysis, Volunteers Reports Book. Please welcome our friend, Dr. Naomi Wolf. There you are. Thank you. Hey. Hey, great to you. So, so I want to make sure I get the, the plug right for you. Is this a book that was published or a document, or is there somewhere people go online to, to read it? Well, I'm glad to say it is at long last a physical paperback book. Um, it's compiled, as you rightly said, Dr. Drew, of uh, the work of 3,500 medical and scientific experts from around the world who have volunteered to read through these 
tens and tens of thousands of documents released under court order um, by the FTA that the FTA asked the court to keep hidden for 75 years. So um, there are 64 reports now and 50 of them are in this paperback book, which um, is now available for pre-order. We sold out the first four printings within 48 hours each time. So you can pre-order it on our website, dailycloud.io, or you can get it in a Kindle form on Amazon. And very soon, in about 10 days, you can get it physically. And and is it War Room? Is that the name of it? No. War Room is one of the entities that um, put out the call uh, and has been a platform which is one of the great ironies of contemporary history for me to you know, raise the alarm about these issues. Um, and Daily Cloud is my company. So the whole entity is called the War Room Daily Cloud Pfizer Documents um, Research Volunteers. And these are the oh, there Daily it is. Cloud Pfizer Documents Analysis Reports. That's the title. Okay, the there we go. There we go. Okay, and we get it from your website. Great. Okay, I can't wait to read that. So before we dig into what's there, and I'm going to bring in Dr. Victor in just a couple of minutes, and I know she wants to talk about this at length. Uh, Tell me more about the 3,500 professionals or or at least scientists and researchers. Uh, How did you collect them? Who were they? What's their training? How were they vetted? That kind of stuff. It's a lot of people. It is a lot of people, and it's an absolutely miraculous undertaking that it's been so successful. Um, Our... This, these reports have started coming out a year ago. Uh, we bring out two or three every month. And the book itself has been published in uh, Kindle or PDF form since January. We have not had a lawyer's letter from Pfizer. Nothing's wrong. Um, and they can't say that we're defaming them. Everything is sourced directly to the original documentation. So these um, experts range from, uh, and they've, they've, they've been identified Um, by their CV, and then they're assigned to uh, six different working groups. And then there's a a super committee over each working group that vets the final report, corrects it, makes sure it's fine. And then it goes on to um, Amy Kelly, who is our COO and the project director of this extraordinary undertaking. And then it comes to me. Um, I put it into English that everyone can understand if if it's written too Mm -hmm. technically. And then it's published on Daily Cloud and now in this physical book. Um, so they range. Uh, and it's it's kind of amazing because medicine and science have been so segmented in the post-war period. But this is, this is an undertaking um, unlike any that you can get at a university or at a hospital or at a research lab because it brings together people from dis- different disciplines. Um, it, so it consists of... Uh, physicians, RNs, medical fraud investigators, biostatisticians, lab clinicians, um, pathologists, radiologists, uh, sports medicine physicians, cardiologists. Uh, uh, I mean, really. Did every, they, every, let me ask you, did, did every, they apply to you or did you seek them out or how did you, how did you find them? No, we, we put out the call and um, they convened themselves under Ms. Kelly's guidance uh, into these six working groups. And um, we check their work, of course, and we check their CVs, but really anyone can join. And, you know, we've had to let some people go um, when they were disruptive or their work wasn't good enough. But we've got, a, a, you know, leaders always kind of step forward. And we've got two extraordinary distinguished um, men of medicine who are kind of uh, the tip of the spear, so to speak. One of them is Dr. Robert Chandler, who is a distinguished uh, sports physician his whole career. Um, 
and he treated the Angels and the Lakers. He's based in California. And uh, he's the guy who found a couple of really important newsworthy um, stories that you'll see in the Pfizer documents book. One of them is that he found that the lipid nanoparticles biodistribute through the body and don't stay at the injection site um, and that they accumulate in the liver, the spleen, the adrenals, uh, the lymph, and if you're a woman in the um, ovaries. And uh, the other really distinguished kind of leader of his team, Team 3, is Dr. Chris Flowers, who is a, an oncologist pathologist who oversaw a network of breast cancer clinics for much of his career and then was at UCSF um, and is now uh, lending his skill set to us. And he broke the story of... Um, the fact that in May of 2021, Pfizer knew and the FDA knew that 35 minors had sustained heart damage within a week after receiving this injection. Um, and, and, and they both knew because at the bottom of these documents, it says FDA confidential. Uh, but they didn't stop the rollout. They didn't let the public know. And it wasn't until four months later that the FDA released a press release um, downplaying it, but acknowledging that uh, myocarditis risk was elevated among young adults. And that was after a summer of um, relentless propaganda, influencers, social media influencers, spokesmodels, the president, the CDC, a barrage of uh, messaging telling parents to get their minors and their young adults um, mRNA vaccinated. It is interesting that most countries are, or at least one by one countries are electing not to vaccinate under the age of 50 generally or under the age of 65 in certain case of certain countries and that has always been my great concern in this not that like like you know my position is i think i've explained to you before that i vaccinate my elderly patients i've not seen much side effect i've seen benefit and it's a different diathesis in a 75 year old than a 25 year old it's a different risk reward consideration and our job as physicians is to get that risk reward analysis correct. And you know, we can we can go on to speculate about what longer term risks there might be with the vaccines and things that we don't know about yet. I, I understand that's there, but it, it never seemed to reach the level of reward exceeding risk in the day in the day of Omicron. It just never made sense to me. And, and I know you had some back and forth with Vicky Mail on Twitter. I've noticed the last couple of days, and I actually admired the way you guys were going back and forth. It was, seemed rather collegial to me, and I, I think that's the right way to do these things. And she had some very dire data about pregnancy, and I kept saying, I, this seems too dire to me. This does not fit what's going on with Omicron. And, of course, England now has, you know, UK has, has decreased their requirements because it is a different illness with Omicron. Um, anything, anything that you got out of that back and forth that you thought was worthwhile? Um, well, respectfully, no. I mean, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I mean, I appreciate that you liked the way we went about it. And of course, um, focusing on the facts and the data is always better than what too often happens on social media, which is, you know, sniping and character assassination. But right, I, right. Didn't, I didn't see peer-reviewed uh, data presented to me for analysis. And I can tell you that the peer-reviewed data that people are always citing, it, you know, from the highest levels of government about pregnancy, I took it apart 
definitively in my book, The Bodies of Others, um, and it's vSafe. And this is a database that is so flawed. And this is peer reviewed because shamefully a, a medical publication published it, um, the Shimabukuro version of this study. But this is a study in which pregnant women who happened mostly to be nurses, meaning already disproportionately white women, disproportionately educated, disproportionately having access to medical care and disproportionately uh, aware of and having access to good nutrition, um, were asked to fill out an app on their phone uh, to report their symptoms. And they weren't reporting them to a clinic they weren't reporting them to doctors. They weren't even reporting them to scientists. They were reporting them essentially to a call center um, that was tabulating their responses. But it was up to you if you lost a baby. It was up to you and you were grieving and you were in, or you were in pain or you were hemorrhaging. It was up to you to get on your phone app and say, I lost my baby. Um, they didn't follow the uh, subjects um, adequately. They didn't have proper follow-up. And so they managed by doing all of that to kind of state that there were no safety signals, but they did it by junk science, basically. I mean, that is not a pure, that is not a, you know, double-blind controlled study, you know, by, by no stretch of the imagination. I could make a phone app tomorrow and say, you know, tell me if you're having, um, you know, erectile dysfunction, and I'm going to get nobody saying yes, and I'm going to say there's no evidence of erectile dysfunction with this, you know, with this population. Um, it's nonsensical science and they should be ashamed of themselves. And respectfully, she, you know, anyone who says that this vaccine, after all the evidence that we've provided from the Pfizer documents in which there is a 78% plus, and ind multiple now independent analysts have looked at the section of the Pfizer documents and concluded that that is correct, loss of the fetus um, among the women that remained after Pfizer managed to lose 236 out of the 270 uh, records of the pregnant women unlawfully, because you're supposed to follow the subject to the end of the study. Anyone who tells pregnant women that that, you know, that they need to take this injection. Um, I mean, I would not want to be, I would not want to be them, you know, meeting their maker at this point. And to add to that, um, we're now getting three different sources of confirmed reports of compromised placentas and the reports in vaccinated moms, as well as moms who have had COVID. So there may be something there, but what I can tell you is that also in the Pfizer documents is the con conclusion by Pfizer that the vaccines don't work to stop COVID, right? So I'm glad your elderly patients oh, yeah. are well, that's doing a, well. But yeah, yeah. No, but that's I mean, another say, major, major problem. A, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. I guess all I want to say in the end of this rant, because I'm really quite angry about it, as <laughs> lovely as she would be personally. No, I am angry. I am angry because women who are pregnant or planning to get pregnant are listening to people like that and saying, well, that seems reasonable. I'll, I'll go do this. They're telling me it's safe. And there's no, no evidence. There's so much evidence to the contrary. So Dr. Jim Thorpe, who's a maternal fetal medicine specialist, I believe you. We, we, we have we have we have interviewed him. Kelly Kelly and I right. have interviewed him here. He sees a lot. He absolutely he's been reporting so he a lot of stuff. Called attention totally. I don't mean to talk over you. I'm sorry. He called attention to the calcified placentas that he was seeing. Then I got contacted by a RN, a nurse midwife who's been um, helping women deliver since 1976, and she's at Sierra Cares in the Sonora Valley, and she said. And she showed me this image that I sent to your producer. She said that since 2020, she's been seeing 
completely abnormal placentas. So many abnormal placentas that she doesn't have an image of a normal one from her practice to send me anymore. And she Hmm. described them as cloudy um, micro calcifications, the blood vessels um, that are so important to nourish and nurture the baby are, are calcified and with like what she calls um, COVID dots or COVID bumps all over them. And she sees this in, in both women who've had COVID and women who've had the mRNA vaccine who haven't had COVID, um, as I understood her. And this, again, I got an email yesterday from another nurse midwife, and I have yet to interview her, but she is in Sacramento and she said she's seen the same thing. Placentas that are flat, not kind of, well, as these, I mean, it's kind of gross and unusual to get into what a healthy placenta looks like, but we kind of have to face it because we all come from that. Um, She's saying normal placentas are kind of meaty and they can sustain the baby. And she's seeing what, what Ellen Jasmer saw, which is flat pancake-like placentas that don't hold together, that can't sustain a baby. They're having babies with um, abnormalities, early delivery, babies that seem fine but go into respiratory distress, have to be rushed to the ER within a day of being taken home. Uh, And she's also seeing this kind of cloudiness and silvery grayness when a healthy placenta is, I now know, uh, purple maroon. So um, this, you now have three, I'm a reporter, so these are three independent eyewitnesses saying there is a signal here. And so anyone who tells a pregnant woman to take this injection before we get to the bottom of that is being dangerously irresponsible in my view. I will have Dr. Kelly Victory pick that up right there. I would like to rant too about that. After we go to break. Now, Susan's been very concerned about this. Um, and it's interesting at the beginning of your of our conversation, you under your breath said what a weird, weird irony of history that the war room and, and uh, Naomi Wolf get together. But but because uh, because Naomi is considered uh, would classical liberal be a right way to describe you or like, be left like of that, that maybe classically I'll, historically I'll classical yeah. liberal is good yeah and and yeah and there's just weird bedfellows being created by the extraordinary times that we are in and uh, it's just I, I see that kind of thing all the time so when you said that under your breath it caught my attention because it is. It is an, ex- an unusual time. Okay, so well, Dr. Dr. Jamie Wolf with us. Uh, Kelly, say that again. It's, it's the delay that makes us jump on each other. Say that oh, again. I'm sorry. I was just, just going to say, you know, I think what's beautiful is that we're learning that caring about babies and caring about the Constitution is not partisan. And caring about women, which is something you've done your entire career, which I, I kind of would champion that that's a nice thing to rally around. And I agree, the Constitution of Babies and what's up, Susan? It's easy to do when you are a woman. Uh, it's easy and for- And you understand Na- it more clearly. Yes, yes. And uh, and Naomi's yeah, been, but where, Naomi's been a champion are, her entire career. Thank you. Thank you so much. Are, I, I don't mean to be talking over you both. I, I just yeah. want to say, if I may, uh, Dr. Victory, you know, I almost started to cry when I was talking to um, Ellen Jasmer because it's been a year that I've been report a year and a half since I began calling an alert about women having menstrual infertility and and baby yep, bearing problems. Yep. And and this is the first woman's health advocate from the women's health community that I've spoken to who's come forward. All the feminists, except for you, Doctor Victory and Susan and a handful of others, you know, in the more in the media, but all of the traditional women's health advocates, all the our bodies ourselves ladies, all the other midwives, all the other, you know, gynecologists, all the other obstetricians who are women are silent. 
to, to be fair, it's complicated and it is a dangerous landscape. And uh, as you know, I've apologized to you for being too too glib. But uh, let let's uh, there's the book. There's the book. It is the Pfizer Documents Analysis Report, uh, Daily Clout and War Room. Uh, it is Naomi Wolf. We're going to take a little break and bring Dr. Kelly Victory in here after this. Over the last few months, no doubt you've heard a lot about spike protein, certainly on this program. The reality is once lockdowns are well behind us, we will likely still be dealing with the effects of COVID and potentially the COVID-19 vaccines. Therefore, the spike protein may prove to be an important part of our story. With that in mind, I want to introduce you to the wellness company's spike support formula. Whether you've been vaccinated or not, spike protein may be something you have become concerned about. Good news is that there's some interesting research on how to potentially deal with it. Studies have suggested that natokinase and dandelion root are showing some potential in protecting you and your family. Our friend Dr. Peter McCullough and the team at the Wellness Company have the only product on the market that contains both natokinase and dandelion root. In addition to the natokinase and the dandelion root, the Wellness Company's spike support formula also includes natural antioxidant ingredients such as black sativa, extract, green tea, and iris sea moss, all thought to help boost immune health. Go to twc.health slash Drew to order today. Use code Drew at checkout for 10% off today. Springtime is here, and personally, I can get red and irritated skin during these months, especially when I travel. But now I have an extra layer of protection thanks to Genucel Skincare. Genucel's Ultra Retinol, formulated with the most powerful retinol alternative, Bacuchiol, and proprietary MDL technology, soothes irritation and visibly targets red, blotchy skin. And the under-eye cream, of course, helps hide the bags and puffiness that you can get from travel and just lack of sleep generally. In fact, you might have witnessed the astonishing effects of Genucel Redness Repair Intensive during a recent unplanned moment of our show, repairing my skin within minutes right before your eyes. That is how fast these products work. I know I'm a snob about the products I use on my face. Everybody knows it. Every time I go to the dermatologist's office, they're just rows and rows of different creams. Retinols, vitamin C cream, under eye cream, night creams. Scrubs. And then when I get to the counter, they're overpriced. All kinds of products that you can all find at GenuCell.com. I've fallen in love with this product at a fraction of the price. Visit GenuCell.com slash Drew today and check out the personalized packages from Susan and myself bundled with our favorite GenuCell serums. And remember to use the promo code Drew for an extra 10% off. All orders are upgraded to free shipping. Plus, if you order now, every subscribe and save package gets a free spring spa package with three of GenuCell's best-selling spa products ready to try in the comfort of your own home. One more time, that is GenuCell.com slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Drew. Inflation has consequences. As the Fed raises interest rates to combat out-of-control government spending, long-term bonds have diminished in value, crippling banks. Depositors are holding their breath and investors are bailing on bank stocks. Diversification has never been more important. The recent surge in gold prices is directly tied to the extreme market volatility right now. This is why gold has historically been a great hedge against the stock market and against inflation. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you do. Visit birchgold.com drew to get a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert your existing IRA or 401k that is tied to a volatile market into an IRA in physical precious metals. I do not give financial advice and previous performance is no guarantee of future performance. 
With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, Birchgold is who you can trust to protect your future. Visit birchgold.com slash drew today. That is B-I-R-C-H-G-O-L-D, birchgold.com slash drew. Some platforms have banned the discussion of controversial topics. If this episode ends here, the rest of the show is available at drdrew.tv. There's nothing in medicine that doesn't boil down to a risk-benefit calculation. It is the mandate of public health to consider the impact of any particular mitigation scheme on the entire population. This is uncharted territory, Drew. Of course, Dr. Kelly Victory. And uh, Kelly, thanks for your patience. I was indulging a little bit there with uh, Naomi Wolf, and I will step out of the way. Dr. Kelly Victory. No, no worries. Naomi, welcome back. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us. I, we've been discussing these issues of what I consider, and I know you consider, irrefutable evidence of adverse effects um, related to these COVID mRNA shots. But before, and I do want to pick up exactly where you guys were had left off talking about the placentas, but before I do that, I want to get on the table, and please correct me if I'm wrong. This new book that we are discussing that you are, have just put out goes well beyond exposing adverse events related to the vaccines. What you are exposing is unassailable evidence that they knew of these things prior it is one thing to have made an error in medicine, not acceptable, but that is one thing that we would need to contend with. The idea that we are instead contending with out and out fraud, lying, corruption on the part not only of the vaccine manufacturers, but the CDC, the FDA, our own government, who had access to this information. They knew and had predicted these exact adverse events prior to the rollout to the masses. Am I stating that too strongly? I think you're not stating it strongly enough, but you're definitely, um, you know, 80% there. Not only did they know, but you'll see from the book that they designed what they were looking at to confirm that they were hurting people the way that they eventually hurt millions of people. Um, for example, so it's, it's very hard to wrap our brains around this if we're normal human beings, but it's the book shows evidence of what I've called very uh, conservatively the greatest crime against humanity ever. And I'm the granddaughter of a, a woman who lost nine siblings to the Holocaust. Um, so I don't use that phrasing lightly, right. uh, but they they knew, like, let me just give you two examples. And it's it's so... Mengele-ish, right? They knew what they were doing. They designed it to work this way. This is a respiratory pathogen. I'm not a medical doctor, but why are you dissecting the sex organs of sacrificed rats after they've mated if you're looking at a respiratory issue, right? Um, they told, I mean, just look the fertility issue alone, right? It's so clear they designed this to ruin women's fertility. Not only did they know, they targeted it and targeted it according to the data that we see. An example, Pfizer defines in the Pfizer documents exposure to vaccine, and this is very disturbing, as including skin contact and inhalation, but also sexual intercourse, um, especially at the moment of conception. And they warned the vaccinated men in their study not to have intercourse, to abstain from intercourse 
with vac- wow. with unvaccinated women uh, or women of childbearing age specifically, and that if they didn't abstain from intercourse with women of childbearing age, to use two two reliable contraceptive methods, um, and so they knew that there was something transmitted in the semen of vaccinated men that was harmful to fertility or to implantation or to the fetus. We don't yet know, but they that was their caution to men. Well, they didn't say to all the women of America or the world, don't have intercourse with a vaccinated man unless you're using two reliable forms of contraception. Not only that, but let me look, let me direct your attention to a chart that Dr. Robert Chandler found in the Pfizer documents. It's reproduced in this book. It's so chilling. Women are disabled now from menstrual problems. And problems is too uh, calm a word for what women are dealing with. As you know, they're dealing with um, menstrual cycles that are two periods a month, uh, menstruating every single day for their entire lives to date, Uh, menarche being brought on to 10-year-old girls with the first injection, women in their 80s, long past menopause, having uterine and vaginal bleeding again. Um, All of these things aberrant. Some women uh, agonizing cramps. Um, Unvaccinated women having agonizing cramps when they have intercourse with their vaccinated husbands. Uh, Women describing, uh, you know, I don't know what to say, tissue that is clotted and almost almost calcified uh, emerging from their bodies. I mean, their whole kind of support groups for this now. So all of these conditions are documented in the Pfizer documents in a chart in which there are 20 plus scientific names for these conditions and tens of thousands of women that Pfizer knew about chalked up under each of these. Leading every day of the month, 20,000 women. Leading twice a month, 13,000 women. I mean, all the way down and an agonizing devastating conditions, losing your period altogether. There's a group in France called where's my cycle? Where did it go? Women completely losing their cycle, meaning no baby, right? So uh, what Dr. Chandler found, as I I may have mentioned, is that the lipid nanoparticles, which go through every organ in the body, accumulate in the ovaries. um, And they also traverse, of course, the placenta, which is a membrane. So what, what, all of this shows just in terms of the 360 degree attack on human reproduction. I haven't even gotten into the poisoning of breast milk, which is in the Pfizer documents in which four women's breast milk turned blue green and one poor baby went into convulsions nursing from a vaccinated mom uh, and died, right? All of this they knew. They knew that when they were going to inject women, And the other thing is it's a war against women, and they knew this. And weirdly, this is with every single system, I would say 10 systems we've confirmed, especially Dr. Chandler, that women are overrepresented versus men by a factor of three to one, four to one, and more recently with anaphylaxis, eight to one. Um, So it's it's a war against women. I'm not sure why, but I have the darkest suspicions about why. Uh, But there's a chart also that Dr. Chandler found that showed that of the 43,000 adverse events, 72% of them are in women. And of those 16%, this is Pfizer's words, are, quote, reproductive disorders, end quote. Pfizer's words. Pfizer's words. They knew and they kept going. They knew and they spent billions, if not certainly hundreds of millions of dollars 
and our taxpayer money to through the CARES Act on ad campaigns telling pregnant women to this day or women getting pregnant, protect your baby or parents, protect your children by injecting them. And this is what they had in their computers on their desks. Reproductive disorder, 16 percent. And, and as you point out, let me let me say, um, and I agree with you, it requires one to overcome a tremendous amount of cognitive dissonance to even get your arms around the idea that this type of evil could have been occurring at the hands of those very organizations who are tasked with protecting us, with looking after our own health and the health of our families and our loved ones. Uh, so the, the, the on top of that, the implications, not only from a uh, moral and ethical standpoint, there are legal ramifications because one of the only things we had to stand on with regard to uh, finding some recourse for those millions of people who have been injured was to be able to show fraud because these vaccine manufacturers have enjoyed blanket immunity as a result of uh, the emergency use authorization. Um, and the only way we would get around that blanket liability immunity is if we could prove fraud. And I suspect that uh, the work that you and 3,500 scientists have been working on is going to do exactly that, prove this fraud. With regard to the um, the concentration of this these injections in the reproductive organs, it is implausible to me that they didn't know that. We have known for decades that lipid nanoparticles in particular, independent of mRNA, lipid nanoparticles concentrate in organ systems and in tissues that have high fat and that are high in in hormones, specifically the testes and the ovaries. We've known this for decades, and it's one of the, the ways we've leveraged lipid nanoparticles in order to be able to specifically deliver things like medications uh, to reproductive organs. So it's not plausible right. uh, that they wouldn't have, have known this. Um, Let's get back for a second to, to the placentas, because another person I would throw in who has been reporting on this is Dr. Ryan Cole, uh, who's a good friend of, of this show, and, and I'm sure you're familiar with his work, a pathologist. He was reporting on these grossly undersized placentas full of microclots oh and, and, and full of microcalcifications, and uh, he said he's got too many to, to handle as well. Um, so go back for now to, to your book. We've talked about the placentas. What are some of the other, in your mind, I, highlights, for lack of a bad, bad word when you're talking about something this heinous, but in addition to the placental abnormalities uh, and, and the fact that they knew that and were targeting that, what are the other sort of top issues that you have uncovered in this research? Thank you. And I really should stress it's, it's these volunteers uncovering it. I'm, I'm just reporting it. Um, but uh, very disturbing um, headlines. Well, you mentioned that you knew that the lipid nanoparticles are, it's been known for decades, the lipid nanoparticles traverse um, membranes and, and enter, uh, accumulate in testes and other areas. Well, Amy Kelly, the project director, also found that the lipid nanoparticles are degrading the testes and degrading the Sertoli cells and Leydig cells, which are, as you know, but your viewers might not all know, the factories of masculinity. I didn't know that, but they regulate hormones that turn men in, you know, boys into men. And so the concern is that these uh, 
little fetal boys, even if they haven't been vaccinated, if their moms are vaccinated, we don't know if they're going to turn into normal adult men with characteristics that we identify as traditionally masculine, like deep voices, body hair, you know, fertility. We, we just don't know that their, their testes are being degraded. Um, so, and also to your point, before I tell you other headlines, I'm sort of wondering, I know many doctors are concerned, very concerned about the spike protein and others are very concerned about the mRNA. I sometimes, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a political analyst. I, as you know, I've concluded that this is a bioweapon. Um, it's made in conjunction with uh, the Chinese Communist Party. And I'm actually wondering if it's all the other narrative is cover for the lipid nanoparticles being introduced. Yeah. At, because they oh. go, as Dr. Chandler said, like a, like a, a, a gunshot into the body, into, uh, like a shotgun uh, spray into the body through everything. And... And, and we just had a report on jellied muscles, for instance. And, um, you know, think about something that can basically de... What is the word? It kind of destabilizes, right? All of the magical, beautiful balances, boundaries, um, distinctions. Uh, and, and so to me, when I see these side effects... Uh, so many of them go back to the lipid nanoparticles. So let me yeah. just give you a yeah. couple of lines. Um, so number, very surprisingly, the number one uh, side effect in the Pfizer documents is joint pain. And people really don't know this, but there's up and down my street, um, my neighbors are having hip replacements, shoulder replacements, knee replacements, healthy young adults that I know are having uh, work on their sh on their joints and are in pain and crippled. And you, I remember going back to New York after five or six months away and after the vaccination rollout and seeing so many people in the population visibly moving as if their bodies hurt. And these were otherwise kind of young, you know, recently healthy looking people. Um, the second, and this is again, lipid nanoparticles cause inflammation and arthritis is inflammation. Um, the second thing is, second most common side effect is myalgia, and that's muscle pain. Uh, and again, we've just had this report on jellied muscles, weakness, fatigue. Um, the third most common side effect is COVID. And I was saying earlier that uh, they, Pfizer knew in November of 2020 that the vaccines didn't stop COVID. Uh, they describe vaccine failure, failure of efficacy, and they also identify within a month after rollout that the third most common side effect was COVID. So all of the mandates, I'm, you know, didn't have to happen because they don't work to stop COVID. Um, and Pfizer knew that. Other headlines, my gosh, so many. I mean, this is such a shocking book. But um, there were, there's a report on strokes. Well, there were over 1,200 deaths uh, within the first three months of the rollout. Um, there is a report on strokes in which about 61 pe people died of stroke. Half of those adverse events were within 48 hours of the injection. There's a report on- hey, Can I stop failure. you on that, Naomi? Can, can yeah. I stop you on the yeah. stroke front? Because sure. that you caught my attention with that. And and Kelly, I wonder if you were seeing this as well, but I, I you know, clinically you sort of pick up on patterns and, and uh, sort of when things sort of seem- outlying and i gotta say i've seen a lot of and we hear jamie fox may have had something and i, I don't know right. if you have the vaccine or not but 
I've seen vaccinated folks, young people, have small vessel strokes in peculiar parts of the brain. And, and it, it is, it just caught my attention, you know, because it's so odd. It's so, I mean, it's just, I, you know, back in the day, if somebody had something like that, you just go, oh, well, that's drug use, cocaine, something, you know, that's it. You know, young people right, don't right. get this. But uh, I've seen it outside of that setting now quite a bit. Um, so yeah. I'm just wondering, Kelly, if you've seen that at all. Oh, yeah. And I think if you talk you know, across the board, if we look at the numbers, even if you don't want to say it's related to the vaccines, you need an explanation for why we are seeing a precipitous increase uh, in these incidents of, as you said, unusual strokes, unusual, both hemorrhagic and ischemic strokes, by the way, both, you know, from bleeding and from clots in the same way that we are I've seeing seen thrombotic. I've, huge... I've, I've seen thrombotic. That's what my yeah, observation. I've seen, I've I've seen, seen bleeding. I've not I've seen, seen embolic. I've seen thrombotic. I've seen I've seen so thrombotic me, and hemorrhagic strokes, both. Can I jump in and, ahead, and share yeah, what please. I know about that? So um, in the Pfizer documents, there are like at industrial scale neurological events and at industrial scale clotting events, thrombotic events, thrombocytopenia, mm -hmm. blood clots, leg clots, lung clots, like tens of thousands in each category. And we, we know some of the mechanism now, and there's a report on my substack that Dr. Uh, Chris Flowers uh, contributed, to which he contributed, about neurological disorders. I uh, kind of consider myself very lucky because I have a neurological disorder, and that was the reason I didn't take this mRNA injection, because I thought, you know, nerves are so delicate and so much can go wrong. And I thought, I looked at the Mandarin website, and it boasted that this material gets into every cell in the body. And I thought, well, that is not a good idea. I'm not going to, that's mm. too, you know, that is not likely to work with, with anything as delicate as, as a neurological condition. So what happens is the lipid nanoparticles, according to Dr. Flowers, degrade the myelin sheet. And so they make it harder for um, the electrical We've impulses to be transmitted. And that de mm -hmm. deranges, uh, you know, the processes that are otherwise regulated by a healthy nervous system. When it comes to the clotting events, um, there are various things going on, and I'm sure you've heard from the doctors about what the spike protein does. But again, I, I sometimes think I'm lucky not being a medical doctor because I don't. What, what have is that the what is <laughs> what is the, yeah. the mechanism that uh, Chris Flower came up with? Because we've heard uh, I forget Kelly who told oh. us the one issue of the fibrinogen uh, sort of regulators. What what have you well, guys? The clotting, uh, well, the, so this is this is my research. Um, but it's it's been confirmed uh, by the by the team. Basically, I looked at the websites that are selling lipid nanoparticles, and these are an industrial fat covered with polyethylene glycol, and you can order them by the box, and they come from China, of course. So they are liquid at very cold temperatures, and you remember the rollout, the drama around they're transported and sub-zero temperatures, and that's correct. They're liquid at very cold temperatures they solidify at room temperature and thus they solidify at body temperature so dr flowers has confirmed that they aggregate it's a it's mechanical they are they are accumulating in in the blood they're going through the body they're crossing the blood brain barrier they're clumping um and mm. that is one mechanism i don't know that that's the only mechanism but they and, and there's, and then I looked at the instructions that are being given about how to store these materials, and they change over time. Um, you know, initially they were like, keep it in a super cold, supersonic cold freezer, uh, and then it was like, 
you know, keep it in a normal freezer. And then it was like, you can leave it out for two hours and then you can leave it out for 12 hours. So the case I've made that goes along with my conviction that this is a bioweapon is you can injure people by doing things as simple as changing the, the brand, injure or kill. The brand with Moderna having three times the active ingredients, 100 micrograms of, of Pfizer, or by something as simple as the, uh, the dose uh, they wanted to give children 100 micrograms, right? You give a 90-pound little girl the same who's who's 11 the same dose as a 150-pound overweight, six-foot-tall, you know, 11-year. Well, I'm I'm crushing my categories there, but basically, there's no titrating for size, right? So you can give a small person the same dose as a big person, and or give a woman, a small woman, the same dose as a giant man. And the, the small woman is going to have more problems, which may be one contributing factor to how overrepresented women are in these um, injuries and deaths. Um, and the last thing you can do is you can just hurt people through, you know, changing the directions about storage or how long material can stay out because this material is not stable and it changes depending on the temperature. Let, let me jump in here and, and uh, comment on a couple of things that we just were discussing. Um, number one, with regard to uh, your finding or your observation, I should say, with regard to arthritis or inflammatory issues, uh, joint pain and muscle pain, uh, we know that these vaccines have been inducing autoimmune responses uh, and not infrequently. Uh, the the area that the body will attack is the the synovium, the lining of joints. Uh, it's one of the mechanisms of autoimmune responses. So I think this may well be an autoimmune mediated issue. Uh, with regard to that clotting issue that Drew was, was talking about and what's the mechanism for that, many people believe it's because these spikes embed or attach to the lining of the vessel walls, the endothelium, and they end up causing you know a little bump on the inside of the blood vessel, bump if you will, or a little you know that spike sticking out which gives a place for platelets then to glom on and it, it causes a nidus for a clot to form. Uh, and I think that that is very, very plausible and consistent with what the pathologists are seeing. Um, one thing I want to throw out there in the, and I, you, know, you can choose to not go down this road if you don't want, but um, I read back in the day, back in the 80s, when the original uh, Margaret Atwood novel, The Handmaid's Tale, came out. Uh, and for those who don't read, hadn't read it uh, originally, it's a, you know, a, a post uh, dystopian, it's a postmodern dystopian novel about something that occurs. We're not told exactly what that has rendered the vast, vast majority of the uh, population of women to be infertile. And therefore, there are only mm -hmm. a small number of people left who are capable of uh, bearing healthy children. Uh, and it goes down that mm -hmm. dystopian path. I find it somewhat uh, perhaps just um, coincident that that uh, was made into a miniseries and posted uh, for over the period of the three years prior to the COVID pandemic. Uh, and I wonder if it has occurred to you at all how interesting it is that we are looking now at a time when perhaps we will see a huge percentage of the female population uh, infertile. Right. Um, honestly, with each of these reports coming out, and now it's stroke, kidney, and liver, um, and anaphylaxis, all four of those had women grossly overrepresented in addition to the reproductive disorders I described. 
I'm honestly, like the monsters who coordinated all of this, I'm honestly beginning to think that doing away with women, at least in the numbers that women are, in which women are now represented is part of the plan. Um, the same people who invested in the vaccines, uh, censored voices that were criticizing the vaccines, the big tech bros, they're in lab-grown ilk. They're invested in artificial wombs. You know, they're very excited mm -hmm. about creating and sustaining life uh, under technological control and not organically. And I will say one other thing about, so, you know, the scale, I mean, when when Ellen Jasmer told me that she doesn't have a normal placenta to show me anymore, mm -hmm. that is so chilling, mm -hmm. right? And her population is very well-educated, eating organic food, you know, healthier yeah. than the average population. So something catastrophic has already happened to the human species. She she also showed me what you described, Dr. Cole, describing a tiny placenta, right? Like a, And I said, well, how big is right. a normal placenta? He showed a circumference of like two inches wider is a normal placenta. So these mm -hmm. shrunken mm -hmm. placentas. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think that like what, what tech... Tech CEOs, they make their money through something they like to call disruption. And if you're in California, you know these people. And disruption is a good word, meaning you take something that everyone has access to, like their immune system or the sun or, um, you know, being able to grow, uh, you know, a vegetable garden in their backyard. Um, and if you, if you disrupt it, so that people have to get that thing through your paywall or your service. Yeah. In other words, you disrupt Main Street through lockdowns, everyone needs to buy a meal kit. The tech bros were invested right. in meal kits. You disrupt um, playgrounds, everyone has to go online, children, and play Nintendo. Nintendo went up 23%. Mm -hmm. I mean, over and over and over, you see right. um, this um, ideology of looking around and thinking, what are people doing for free by themselves that we can disrupt? I mean, I think of Eliquis, right, which is this uh, blood thinner. And Pfizer bought it for a billion dollars, which it was not worth five years ago. And they said five years ago, when questioned, why are you spending so much? They said, in five years, this is going to be a multi-billion dollar industry. Well, it, it, it dissolves mm -hmm. blood clots. Right. So these are monsters. Right. And I think they're perfectly capable of making us sicker so that they can boost their bottom line. And they're perfectly capable of like, what do humans do without any help? They have sex and they have babies. Right. I mean, you know, yes, you can have interventions. Right. I've written a book about it to make it more likely that you'll have Pitocin or you'll have, you know, you'll have to go to the hospital. You'll be hooked up to a, a monitor or, it, you know, you're, you'll have to have a C-section. But, but, you know, human beings left to their own devices for millennia have had sexual intercourse and have had overwhelmingly healthy babies, you know, and why not disrupt and that? So what you, right. so that, and so what you're saying, yeah. you know, there, there's, a there's a difference between being opportunistic, seeing an opportunity and creating a business model or a product uh, to fit that niche. There's a difference or then developing that that business model, that niche, and then driving people to it because you create the very problem uh, that will cause them to, to need your product. There's, there's a significant difference in those things. Well, to, to you and me, one is ethical and the other is beyond the pale. But I promise mm -hmm. you that for people in the tech and pharma and biomedical and data, data harvesting space, which are all the same space now, um, there's 
that line does not exist anymore. And it's just innovative to um, redo society so that um, you get to make money by the control that you've placed on people's access to things that used to be just taken for granted as part of being human. I mean, the way I put it in the bodies of others is what the lockdowns and the vaccine passport drive and the vaccines and the tracking of the vaccines did was put and, and the mandates and the kind of, um, you know, two-tier society is it put a paywall uh, between human beings and human society, right? I, you know, I couldn't sit in a restaurant with my kids in New York. Um, that, 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 that's the paywall, right? You have to get the vaccine in order to just sit with your family. So uh, that's one thing. But the other thing not to forget, we haven't gone into it in too much detail, is that, you know, I say this is a bioweapon. BioNTech, which is the subsidiary of Pfizer that created this injection, is in a memorandum of understanding, which means like a partnership with the Chinese Communist Party, an entity called Fosun Pharmaceuticals, which created a billion doses. They are not for the Chinese people. They don't take this vaccine. They're for export. And the Chinese Communist Party also built 14 manufacturing plants in Western Europe and two in the United States, one in Springfield, Massachusetts, and one very close by in Princeton, New Jersey. And so... And there's also an SEC filing in 2021, which anyone can look at, from BioNTech, which shows 100% completed IP transfer and tech transfer to China. Not a Chinese individual, not a Chinese company. It says to China, to the country of yeah. China. And what this means is now when you get a Pfizer injection, everything from the manufacturer, the IP, the ingredients, the production, the quality control and distribution is in the hands of our existential adversary. And I promise I'm almost done as my husband, Brian O'Shea, who is in military intelligence and informs me a lot about the, these issues, has pointed out China wants our land. They want our food supply. They want our natural resources. They don't want our population. No, well, I, think, I, 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 think I want to interrupt real no quick. Point. I could. Okay. If I could, uh, Susan, I'm surprised your hair didn't stand up straight on end with what uh, Naomi just said, because uh, Susan has talked to your husband. And I heard whenever, her. And whenever you've Brent mentioned this issue, this is what uh, she gets very excited about. I love this couple. So, <laughs> but let me just, I, I have to push back. That's my job here. Let me just push back on the Eloquist deal. Um, I prescribe Eloquist all the time. Uh, there's almost nothing associated with the vaccine other than pulmonary embolus, which is also associated with COVID itself for which I am prescribing Eliquis. I, I'm not, I'm prescribing it all the time in elderly patients for all sorts of things. Uh, it's an excellent medicine. It's taken us away from Coumadin, which is a medicine that was cumbersome and required daily management and all kinds of blood draws and things. So Eliquis was a major, major advancement in anticoagulation. And it, with the population, the reason, and I will say the reason they said it was gonna be such a monstrous drug is that as you get older, your probability of being on anticoagulant goes up exponentially and so it, it, it is it, the problem with the drug i don't know kelly if you've seen this but i've seen it certainly it's, it's a sulfa drug and so if you have sulfa allergies you can get these horrific reactions from it but otherwise it's a major advancement from coumadin but i am prescribing it with pulmonary embolus which i've seen both in the setting of covid and i believe the setting of the vaccine as well so that's my right. medical experience kelly your thoughts yeah i would say the same but i to to naomi's point 
you have something that we are seeing an exponential increase in issues of clotting and therefore an, a huge increase in the use of Eliquis. Uh, I agree with you. It's a preferred drug for, for blood clots compared to Coumadin uh, and, and the others that came before it. But you know, suffice to say, we are using it more and more because we are seeing more and more issues of clotting, DVTs uh, and blood clots in the to the lung and elsewhere. Um, and we our time's winding down, so I wanted to ask Naomi before we lose it here that you've talked about that very clearly. Uh, you saw evidence that they knew ahead of time of the impact on fertility. It's very clear that they knew in advance of the impact on the myocardium, the the increased risk of myocarditis. It's pretty clear that they knew about the potential for some neurologic issues. Are you seeing any indication that they knew or contemplated this problem we are seeing now with the increase in cancer risk, which is specifically Mm -hmm. a suppression of the immune system and therefore the suppression of your body to recognize and eradicate uh, atypical cells before they come a cancer. Did you uncover anything that would lead you to believe that they were aware of that risk? So we've got a micro report on turbo cancers um, and I refer people to it. Um, The team has identified uh, the mechanism for turbo cancers in their view uh, I believe, and again, forgive me, team, if I'm getting this wrong, but it has to do with pseudouridine. Um, so I refer you all to the micro report on turbo cancers. You can see it on dailycloud.io. Um, but we do have something called abstractor. And I recommend uh, that you, and, and as I mentioned, Dr. Chris Flowers is an oncologist, so I'll um, have him respond in the chat uh, after this to get more details. But w- when you when you look at what's in the ingredients, um, you know there's there's a petroleum byproduct in the ingredients, and uh, there's something called SM102 in Moderna, and that is a carcinogen. Um, so I this is not what is in the micro report. This is just my own observation. Um, I don't I do know that if you use Abstractor, which is a search tool that was built by one of our volunteers, you can search all of the Pfizer documents for cancer. And you can um, get results that will uh, answer a lot of questions that are beyond what the micro report on turbo cancers found. One of the things we do know now, um, and I don't know, I'm interested in whether they knew it ahead of time, was that people who are vaccinated have a disproportionate shift in the amount of one specific immunoglobulin, IgG4. And the, the job of IgG4 is to tell your body, it's, it's not doesn't behoove you to respond um, anaf- with anaphylaxis or to respond to every single pathogen that comes along. Otherwise, you know, every piece of pollen or dust or things you came and exposed to, you, you'd fall apart. Uh, so IgG4 is job is, uh, in layman's terms, to tell you to ignore those things. You know, yes, it's foreign, Naomi, but but don't respond to it. If you have a disproportionate increase in that, however, your body starts letting a lot of things go by, turns a blind eye to a lot of things, things it shouldn't turn a blind eye to, like that abnormal breast cell, that abnormal colon cell, that abnormal whatever, that is going to then become, and so these turbo cancers for those people who, who don't, haven't heard that term. These are cancers on steroids that just go crazy where people go from diagnosis to coffin in a matter of weeks. I mean, literally, they just absolutely um, have these rampant cancers. And I just was interested in whether there was any evidence that um, that these folks knew about that component of it um, prior to launching this thing onto the public. You know, 
what you're describing sounds familiar to me, um, but I don't have the report in front of me, but okay. I would, um, I'm asking my colleague to please have Amy Kelly shoot Susan uh, the report on turbo cancers. Um, and you will get that very quickly. Fantastic. What else, you know, as I watch Thank the you. clock here, what are what are the things that that you want people to hear, not only about, you know, about this, about both of your most recent books, uh, um, you know, and this assault, not just uh, really it's an assault on women for sure, but it's assault on humanity. Um, from what I can, from, you know, my estimation, this is an assault on humanity. And I don't think that's too strong to say. Um, what are the other things you would like to talk about with regard to to these Pfizer documents? Uh, well, thank you, Dr. Victory. I mean, it's so hard to reach that point of concluding that, but, but it takes courage. So I appreciate that. There's no other, um, no other conclusion to reach. I guess I want to say two things, if I may. Um, one is that the answer, like it's very easy to just despair uh, because of the enor enormous uh, scale of this crime yeah. and how pervasive and effective the criminals are. But uh, we in the United States have been waging a pretty effective fight back with just a very small number of very courageous people. And, uh, you know, some thousands of supporters across the country. We've been fighting back to pass legislation to ban vaccine passports state by state. We've been fighting to um, strip imp impunity from the drug companies legislatively. We've got a lawyer, George Smith in Ohio, who has a judge now who's going to hear our case against Pfizer. Um, our lawyers have found multiple crimes, not just fraud, but RICO crimes, uh, manslaughter, battery, um, I believe trafficking is also a crime, uh, uh, you know, false advertising, a range of crimes. Um, but I guess what I want to say is the, the effective fights, and so we're freer now in the United States than they are in Canada, in Australia, in Western Europe, but it's not, it didn't just happen. It's because people like, you know, us, <laughs> you know, have been fighting so hard and, and risking so much to to tell the truth and to uh, and also to advocate um, effectively, so it takes everybody. You know, it's don't leave it to the leaders. It take the most effective fight is at a grassroots level. So you know, on my site, Daily Clout, there's a form or a webinar rather by James Ostrowski, a lawyer that teaches you how to file civil and criminal charges at the local level against that principal who masked your child against that. You know, you file charges with a sheriff if someone has mandated this injection. That is a criminal offense. Um, so, but it it takes all of us. We cannot be silent, and it takes also just honesty. You know, so many people are silent because they're afraid of losing their job or losing their, you know, place in the community. Well, you know, I've studied history, and if that's what you're afraid of, things are going to get much worse. So you have to face those fears and speak out. Um, I guess the other yeah. thing I would say, I'm not proselytizing this is very personal, but I have come to believe that, uh, I've come to believe in God more literally than I used to before all this happened, because the evil that I see is so beyond human capacity. It's so orchestrated. It's so coordinated. It, it's, it's so impeccable and, and human evil just isn't that, um, flawless. It, you know, there's always a faction or a backstabber or a, you know, someone who's angry at Hitler, you know, and, and 
So this is a, a, I've concluded that this is a metaphysical, that we're in a battle that's metaphysical between good and evil, in addition to everything else on a material and political level. So I personally, I'm not proselytizing, I'm Jewish, you're not allowed to proselytize. But I personally have come to believe that prayer is a technology and that we can't get out of this by ourselves and that we can only get out of it by, um, you know, asking for help from, you know, from God. Well, I, I happen to, I, as Drew knows, I happen to agree with you. And I think it, this is the fundamental. I feel, I said, I feel like I'm living the book of revelations uh, on a daily basis right now. <laughs> um, and, and I also have frequently quoted throughout this entire three years, uh, the words of John Milton, which is virtue untested is no virtue at all. You're right. This right. is a time to be brave. Um, we all have something to lose, a lot to lose, but none of this could have occurred were it not for number one, the complicity of physicians, uh, the fact that physicians bought into it or allowed themselves to be bamboozled by it or didn't have the courage to stand up and say no. I also remind people all the time that a mandate is not a law. A recommendation is not a law. A requirement is not a law. Okay. So if people just say, you can have all the mandates you want, I'm not doing it. I'm not wearing a mask. You can't do that. And the Nuremberg Code and the Helsinki uh, Declaration allowed for the fact that you cannot be mandated to participate in an experiment. That is a law. The law says you cannot be mandated to participate in an experiment. These vaccines are only available in an experimental form. All of them are only available under the emergency use authorization. They are not FDA approved and mandating it is a direct violation of the Nuremberg Code and the Helsinki Declaration. And people need to know that and stand up and have the guts and it's guts at this point to say no. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with you. Everything you said is true. And, you know, I'm sharing. You're absolutely right. And thank you for saying it over and over. It needs to be said. Ladies. Thank you so much, Naomi. Always very interesting to speak with you and to I look forward to reading your analysis. Again, let's put the book up there if you could so people can uh, have one last peek at it. Uh, let's get it from K. From K. There we are. It's the Pfizer Documents Analysis Report. And uh, point out a couple things. I mean, we are lucky that Omicron is uh, not as severe as the initial wave of this pandemic, and that is a good thing. And we are lucky that um, people are where the mandates are uh, waning uh, because they were outrageous. Uh, and regardless of your metaphysical position on uh, what uh, Kelly and Naomi were discussing, it does not obviate the need to study history, everybody. You need to study history. Human go through cycles like this. And uh, I'm telling you, we've been here before. And uh, as we've all, everyone's been uh, championing uh, words like uh, courage and bravery and history and, and freedom are uh, need to be on our lips all the time right now, which is something I never expected. And as we started, uh, Naomi, in my conversation, the, the fact that we are in this time has created strange bedfellows um, <laughs> amongst people who are uh, politically disaligned over over the last 30 years, suddenly finding a common common uh, reason to, to hang together. So uh, Naomi, as always, thank you so much, and uh, hopefully, good luck with all this. And uh, we're going to wrap up. Kelly, anything? Any last words? We're going to quickly take a Twitter uh, space person, okay, too, as well, Kevin Sabet. Oh, that's right. So this is I'll, also I'll let I these wanted guys to go. mention the I'll collective uh, consciousness and prayer, and I totally believe in that too. 
I think we all need to put our heads together and I do too. yes. And uh, Kelly, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go because this is a, we're gonna do a okay. little uh, discussion about something that my daughter and I are doing in Washington D.C. I mean, uh, she can stay if she wants. If you want to, but I, I don't. You know, it's, it's, no. I want everybody to hear this. I'll, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll let you talk about this thing with Pauline. I think it's great, and I will see you yeah. on uh, Thursday this week uh, for our next show with Scott Adams. Yeah, that's gonna be very interesting. Have you interviewed Scott before? I have not. I have not. We have uh, oh, exchanged I, uh, I, some things on social media, but uh, I have not uh, interviewed him before. So really looking forward to that. So I, I am looking forward to that exchange in particular. I always like talking to Scott, but he's a friend. And I think you you guys could be very interesting. Uh, reminder, yeah. uh, Asim Malhotra is coming in on the 25th, Robert Malone on yeah. the 26th. Um, uh, let's see, Kevin Bass, uh, May 2nd, uh, Carol Roth on May 16th. These are some of the upcoming guests, but I think the, the he headlines are Scott Adams on Thursday, uh, Asim Balhatra on the 25th, and uh, Malone on the 26th. Kelly, thank you. I'm going to bring my guest up here in just a second, all right? Okay. Cheers. Uh, Kelly, thank you so much. And uh, this uh, Kevin Sabed, who I just asked to come up and speak, is uh, the director of uh, Sane, uh, oh, Sane Approaches to Marijuana? Oh, oh I don't want to get it. It's Sam. Yeah. Yeah, it's SAM. Uh, Let him tell uh, everybody. Yes, I will invite to speak. There it is. I'm inviting him. And so, Kevin, you just kind of hit your mic or a phone in the lower left-hand corner there. And um, he has invited my daughter, who has an interesting story around cannabis, to uh, present down in Washington, D.C. And we were in New York this week, so we thought we would join them, and I'll have some opening comments as well. Uh, Kevin, do me a favor. Push them. Just push the... Caleb, put the... Um, cartoon oh there he is okay we've got him now <laughs> kevin welcome uh oh you have to unmute yourself kevin he's That's in that. a car too yeah. so oh sorry about hey, everybody can you the, hear me we got you back hey so tell us Great. about the event oh good well I'm, I'm excited to be on well we're, we're taking back 420 you know 420 we all know haha ha, stoner holiday uh and you know i think for too long we're, we're taking this discussion of marijuana a little bit too casually as a country. And, and it's resulting in a lot of harm. Um, we don't want to see people in prison for marijuana. For sure. I really could care less if you're a 60 year old dude and you want to smoke a joint in your country house, uh, you know, in, in a, on a July Saturday. It's not about that. It's about the idea that we are commercializing levels of THC that do not resemble cannabis at all. They don't resemble you know, what people smoked in the 60s either. Uh, there, It's a whole new genetically bred product. And we, we're just, um, we're kind of diving headfirst into something we know very little about, and it's already having some pretty bad consequences. So on yeah. um, April 20th, we're doing an event where we're really lucky and thrilled to have you and Paulina uh, as one of our special guests. And uh, we're going to be there at the uh, historic uh, African-American Miracle Theater in Washington, D.C., uh, and I think it's going to be it's going to be great. We're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it too. It'd be good to see you. And uh, and yeah, that's that is the concern is that we have I I you know I as you know I've been a little agnostic on this topic except the fact yeah. that I've wanted a rational conversation about this drug like every drug. I, I feel the same way. There's no different than any other chemical that humans interact right. with. Uh, but I, I I hope there would be an once some of the political energy settled that there would be rational conversation. I've yet to see that conversation that I've been looking for. So hopefully we can help uh, generate some of that. And yes, big tobacco is taking over big, big cannabis. And uh, I don't think people quite understand how that's going to go. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I was just 
I just did an interview for a documentary a little bit ago, uh, an hour ago here, and I'm in Vancouver right now, British Columbia, where there's a long history, like the Bay Area, you know, of sort of counterculture marijuana use. And I just said the irony is that, you know, what the counterculture wanted is ushering in exactly what they never wanted, which right. is really the mass corporatization and commercialization right. of marijuana. Right. And uh, that's the big irony here. And there, there, are, there are real consequences. So we're going to talk a lot about that. And I, and I do think people are starting little by little by little to wake up if for no other reason, because sometimes you have to burn your finger, you know, your hand on yeah. the stove yeah. to, to realize the stove's hot. And that's you right. heard, I mean, Cory Booker, of all people, who's been a longtime marijuana apologist and legalizer, who I really like as a person and I met many times, uh, he uh, even himself, he admitted for the first time publicly, said, you know what, I am kind of concerned about this stuff, actually, especially for kids. Yep. And, and, you know, in some ways, maybe that couldn't happen if we didn't sort of go to this extreme that we're at right now of acceptance. But but there are a lot of lives being being negatively affected. That's a big cost to that we're paying uh, for these lessons. And do you want to send somebody anywhere on the internet or where they can find more or yeah, watch or, or absolutely. whatever? Yeah. yeah, they can They can go to learn about Sam, uh, S-A-M, learnaboutsam.org. And we have information about the conference there. You can watch it virtually. Also, uh, everyone's more than welcome to register to do that. Uh, of course, if you're in Washington, please join us. Uh, and yeah, we learnaboutsam.org. All right, Kevin, I will see you in Washington, what, tomorrow? Is it tomorrow already? See you tomorrow night. Yeah, see you yeah, tomorrow right. night. All right, I'll see you there. Thank you. Can't wait. Uh, all right, everybody. Safe travel. Kevin Sabat, everybody. Uh, and Susan, are you all good to wrap up here? Everything cool? You, you've you um, tapped into the collective consciousness to try to fight evil, I Everybody hope. pray. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't. By the way, I don't mind that construct because uh, let's get everybody thinking about doing what's good and right. I think that how can that be bad? Yes. And also, I was just going to say, I'm trying to write, learn about Sam on, on this thing, and it keeps going Stam. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, Sam. I'm trying to put the uh, organization up, but um, learn about Sam. ADD. Um, I just want to say, I was, I was kind of astounded when we were at something and saw somebody start dabbing right in front of us. And I didn't know what it was, really. But I was <laughs> like, what the fuck that. is that? Like, what is that? You've and it dabbing. just shocked, it shocks me that people are, you know, using marijuana in such a potent form. Blows my mind. I mean, yeah. it's like pulling out a crack pipe, you know, in the middle of a, it's weird. I'm, listen, if Paulina hadn't gone through what she did, um, I wouldn't be so aware of it. Yeah, because yeah. I don't smoke pot, but... Um, no, but I just want our kids. You have to say weed. It's no longer called pot. weed. You're just sorry. Uncool. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Rasta. Um, but I just, I just hope that people understand that the marijuana nowadays could be laced with stuff, and it also has. A oh yeah, that is another, and it's that's also, a good point. You don't you're not really controlling it. Yeah, you know? if you're getting it off the street, I mean, it's some. It's frankly a reason to not buy it off the street and buy it in, in a, at a at a shop, so to speak, but. But they are putting fentanyl in there sometimes. And it's, so it's and it's almost like so strong, it's like hallucinogenic. So that's what yes, I've been told as well. That's so. true. People don't understand. And that, that damages that, your brain. That potentially. When it's that kind of. Or it can precipitate. I don't know. We it just worries we, me. There was argument in the past about whether it could precipitate certain psychiatric pathology that now it's very clear that it does. So that's no longer a sort of a question. It's a, it, We've answered that. It was in actually Alex Banderson Berenson's book, Tell Your Children. Some time ago, he speculated about this or actually showed the data that has been well confirmed. So in any event, uh, we all thank you all for being here today. We are going to um, wrap it up. As Kelly said, we are back on Thursdays at 3 o'clock Pacific. We're doing it at the regular time. 
Yes, Thursday. Thursday, three o'clock. Because we'll be getting off a train from DC and then right. we'll hop in. And if there's any hang up or anything, Kelly will be with Doctor Scott with the Scott. Okay. Doctor Kelly will be with Scott. And are we doing something? I want to see that. Are we doing something <laughs> on Friday also? Is... Uh, yes, we're going to have callers at this point, unless okay. we can also... drum up uh, Cat Tim for something. And is that also at uh, six o'clock uh, Eastern, three Central, three Pacific? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Right, Caleb. Bring Caleb into this like we always do. We screw up at the end and get. I, uh, I, no, I, 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 I am now yeah. refusing to participate in the end of show <laughs> <laughs> Let me look at my All schedule. Right, close it. No, it's true. I see it as uh, oh, there's that other thing I have to do. Though, I know right? yeah, it's so. going to be here. I think. Okay. So. All right. So three o'clock Pacific as it stands on Friday, and three o'clock Pacific on Thursday for We're sure. We're trying to give you all the Doctor Drew you can get. Right, and we will see you then. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor, and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. Oh.